After the tragic loss of his son Mike, and despite having never rock climbed a day in his life, Army veteran and postmaster Chuck Martin joins Team ETA to scale the cliffs of Mount Tammany in Mike's honor. Along the way, Chuck shares how his connection to the wild helps to fuel his resilience and his ability to create positivity even in his darkest moments. So how'd you feel about that uh, approach, that hike up there? Pretty interesting approach, that's for sure, especially lying the highway. <laughs> I mean, I figure if the fall doesn't kill you, the highway will on the way out. Yeah, like I said, most people that I bring up here tend to find that the most hazardous aspect of the hike. I personally kind of love it. I mean, this is my favorite place in the whole world. I grew up in these mountains. This cliff is where I want my ashes scattered from when my turn finally comes. I kind of like the fact that the highway is down there. It's sort of a little bit of a safeguard. It, it prevents this place from ever truly becoming mobbed, which is nice. It'll kind of always retain that little bit of privacy. It's a beautiful spot. I mean, it's uh, the, the, the hike up to try to get to the base before the climb was, was uh, I understand it now when it's a little different than I saw in the videos. Yeah, right. Well, it always is this sort of thing. I mean, video gives you a great idea, but it can never quite contextualize the physicality of an experience like this. That's something that uh, can only really be experienced by doing it. The actual physical experience brings the fear, the trepidation. You know, that's why I'm excited for the fact that we got to get you out here to, to tell your story. You've always mentioned how the outdoors has really been a great, cathartic place for you. This place has been the same for me, so grateful to share it with you. I can understand that, and I, I'm grateful that you're allowing me to, to do this with you. I mentioned you before what a, uh, a profound effect you had and in, in Jake on you know that survival course that I did in the Catskills with you guys. My son passed away in February, and uh, it was it was a, a very uh, it's awful experience and, and as a parent to lose a child it's just there's nothing worse i think it was i was in the gym one day and i was on the treadmill and uh, all of a sudden it says josh valentine has a new instagram so you know i just i i immediately went to instagram and and i saw the video that you made in uh, uh for your friend that was what was killed and uh and it was just absolutely amazing i um when i saw that I literally had to get off the treadmill. I couldn't, I couldn't keep myself together. I was just watching, and it was just—it blew me away. It was so moving, and um, and I immediately, as I, you know, I, I, I reposted it to show people. I showed everybody I knew. It was just a, an amazing video, and it was right at, at this place here. I remember I was coming out of work one day, and and um, I, I just called you, and I think I just, you know, vented for like an hour, and. You know, it was just, it was a really good experience talking to you and hooking, you know, talking to you again. And I know uh, after an hour, you know, I don't, I don't know very many people who are as, who is as patient and as compassionate as you are. <laughs> well, that depends on me when you catch me. I could probably think one or two people in my head that might not necessarily always agree, but, <laughs> but I try. Well, I know when I was talking to you, I talked for probably a good solid hour. And my wife will tell you, I could talk a dog off a meat wagon. But, you know, she, she, you know, I was talking to you and, and uh, for like an hour straight, just everything came out, everything. And uh, it was, it, that moment was cathartic for me and, and I felt pretty good after that. And um, I think, you know, after, I had to check to see if you're still there because you were listening so intently and which a lot of people don't do. And, and uh, you did. 
And then I think probably, I don't know, it was probably within a couple of hours later, you, you shot me an email and, and proposed doing something like this to help me. And um, I, I jumped on it. You know, this is not something I've ever done before, but I know I trust you wholeheartedly. And, and uh, this is going to do me, uh, it's going to be good for me. And it's going to be, a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, this is about my son. And in, in his memory, what I wish I could have had him do with me. Um, I brought some things along the way that mean a lot to me about Mike. Um, I'm even wearing his shoes. So um, for the hike back, or the rappel down. Well, thank you. I, I genuinely found your story really, really moving, despite something as tragic as losing a son. And I can't quite imagine that. Certainly this sort of inexplicable sense that loss bestows on someone I can understand but I think that nothing quite compares to what you know you've gone through and I also think that you know your story and, and, and you know, the conditions under which Mike passed away are something that a lot of people can relate to in present day so seeing someone like you come out and sort of show this example of hey no matter how how hard this knocks you down you can still get back up and you can do it for them even if it's not for you in the beginning if you take those steps for them there is a healing to it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that really, really touched me about you and your son's story is that I think your example is something that could be really touching and really emotional for a lot of people's parents who I know who have been through something similar. You know, they, they like I said, see you kind of getting up and getting after it, even though it has knocked you down pretty hard. That's, that's a rare thing. I think that can touch a lot of people. Uh, it, it did. I mean, it did knock me down really hard. I mean, the, the, the last day that... Uh, that I had with Mike was, was a really good day. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to, you know, he, he, did, he did pass away uh, due to an overdose. And, and as you said, I mean, the, the scourge that's, that's going on in this country is just, it's, it's terrible in, in, um, in everywhere, every, every aspect of life, it touches everybody. And, and so the, the difference between Mike's story he was, he was, he had some substance abuse that he dabbled with and he had some alcohol problems, but it wasn't that that was, that defined his, his illness was, was a mental illness. Uh, he had uh, diagnosed OCD. He had um, uh, anxiety and chronic depression and I, it was really bad. Uh, this is from a very young age, from 12 to 13 years old. So for 15 years, I, I, we basically, as parents, did everything we possibly could to help him, I mean, uh, to see the best doctors, to see the, the psychiatrists, psychologists. I mean, we got him in and out of the hospitals. And I mean, his, his life was tragic for 15 years. And, and he just suffered emotionally uh, more than I, anything I could possibly imagine. It was just, it was horrible to, to deal with and to watch. The, the drug part of it only came in probably in the last maybe two to three years of his life, and that was because he was just trying to mask his emotional pain. And um, he really uh, was, a, I mean, he was a, he was a, a great athlete. He was, uh, he was built like, uh, like a bodybuilder, and he was very athletic. And, you know, you would never know that he had any emotional problems, any, any type of mental illness at all. Uh, but that's basically what took him down. It wasn't... The, the drugs were secondary. Right. That was the cause of death. But um, what really killed him was the, uh, the mental illness and the, the, the lack of treatment, really, and how they treat 
uh, mental illness and, and, you know, things. I mean, I go on for horror stories and tell you some of the, some of the places I've, we've been, some of the people we've seen, some of the situations that he's been in in, in, in different types of locked wards, um, you know, because, you know, he was, uh, uh, you know, potentially harm himself or uh, never anybody else. He wasn't a violent person. He wasn't, he was a good person, a very good, good person, very outgoing. People loved him. I mean, the, the, when this, I mean, when we had his wake, there was over 500 people that came. Um, and, and, you know, they, uh, the, it was overwhelming what, what we saw in support for him. And, and that uh, just showed us, our family, how much he meant to the people that he touched. You know, just briefly touched people's lives. They knew him, you know, from different jobs, from schools, teachers all showed up. Everyone came. And, um, but... Unfortunately, the, the, the stigma that goes along with the mental illness, um, you know, he tried to hide that for many years. And, and again, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the drugs that finally took his life, uh, I unfortunately found him. And um, he was at my house and uh, we had, uh, we were supposed to go to the gym uh, that morning, the following morning. So I, I told him, I said, I'm going to get up at seven, go by myself. I'll come back, get you at nine. And I came back at nine and knocked on the door and he was gone. Um, I, I, you know, it was, it was a very, uh, very uh, ugly scene. Um, and my youngest son was there with me. So, uh, he, uh, you know, I had to yell down to him to call 911 to get the, get the EMTs and the police. And, and, uh, I, pulled him off his bed and tried to revive him. His, his phone bit the mouth and, um, I, you know, I just tried to clear his airways and get him, get, get him resuscitated. And then the, um, EMT showed up and they took over and it was just nothing they could do. Eh, it's pretty bad. Yeah, there's, there's no words for it. I think you touch on a really good point when it comes to mental illness. For example, I lost a very good friend to suicide who also suffered from severe depression and mental illness and then the friends that I've known that have died of overdose as well it just kind of leaves this big lingering question mark or sense of uncertainty around it that that in some ways I don't want to say made it harder but made it more challenging to kind of reconcile with and I think in general that's one of the biggest struggles with with mental illness I think a lot of people don't understand that many people who struggle with addiction, whether for a short period of time like your son or for an extended period of time, are actually suffering from something deeper that manifests itself in whether it's substance abuse or self-harm or something like that. And the lines become so blurred that people have a real hard time understanding, hey, this, this person is just really, really struggling with something internal that, that, that they can't compensate for chemically or emotionally or what have you. And, and that's a very difficult thing to discern from the outside. And it also makes it really, really challenging to know what to do when someone's in that kind of position. If I wasn't connected to adventure and, and the outdoors to the level that I am, I couldn't imagine where I'd be. I'd probably be in a prison cell somewhere <laughs> for the amount of trouble I'm sure I would have gotten into. So trying to get someone out here to hopefully connect to this or something like it and sort of find that sense of clarity, even if it gives them the push to keep on living for another day or another week, uh, I mean, it's worth every second. You're right. You are like the, I, I consider you like a, um, uh, 
wilderness psychiatrist. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you could well, you know, just write a little script here and say, okay. That, that may be generous. That may be generous. The wilderness is my psychiatrist. <laughs> so maybe I just connect people to that. Well, that's what I'm saying. You bring, you connect the people. You're the wilderness psychiatrist. You, you say, here. I feel like I give the referral. Yeah. The wilderness itself is the psychiatrist. Yep. But on that note, shall we uh, Let's do it. get on up this thing? Yep. Chuck's first foray into climbing ended with mountaineering's central lesson. The mountain has the final say. A mix of conditions and outside factors forced us to call off the first climb before reaching the summit. Yet Chuck's disappointment gave way to his resilience, and after returning in the fall to try again, Chuck set foot on the mountain's top to set a memorial plaque in place in Mike's memory. How you feeling right now? I mean, I feel great. I feel great at the top. I mean, we tried this once before. It didn't work out as well. But uh, the second time around, I feel fantastic, you know. And, and I, I feel much better now knowing that, I, you know, the, the whole idea behind this was to, to climb this for my son, Michael. And it was very important for, to me to, to make it. And, and uh, I'm glad I did. You know, I've always told my kids, you know, you have to face your fears. Not that I'm a afraid of climbing but I mean definitely takes you out of your comfort zone and so for me anyways not for you guys but <laughs> um, you know my first time around so you know it was uh, it was it was something I really wanted to do and to kind of memorialize him and it was important for me to get to the top so that I could bring up uh, that plaque that um, I really wanted to get him planted up the top here and, and know that his spirit's going to be here maybe every time I come through here you know well, I'd say it was cert certainly a success. I mean, uh, aside from the weather, which is obviously starkly different, we're up here freezing our ass off a little bit compared to last time when we couldn't stop sweating. But I think that as disappointing as it probably felt for you the first time around when we didn't make it up, that there's something extra special about having come back this second time and done it. I mean, the point of resiliency is not just to find comfort in succeeding every time the point of resiliency is is getting knocked down and having to come back and and come after something multiple times sometimes even harder to to get there and i think that your story has always echoed a a very strong sense of resiliency going through something like losing mike the way you did losing your son the way that you did and managing to find a way to approach it the way that you have, I've found that very inspiring. And that was a story I think that a lot of other people who have gone through what it's like for a parent to lose a child, which is something I can't imagine, uh, I would imagine they would find a lot of inspiration in that sort of resiliency and that example that you set. You know, and it, and it was, for, for me, um, it is cathartic to do this because, uh, you know, I don't know if I inspire anybody, but there's, unfortunately, there's an awful lot of parents that are in the same situation as me. And losing a child is, is the, the worst possible thing that could ever happen to a parent. I mean, uh, and for me, it was, it's, it's kind of like if this makes sense, it's, it's like having an emotional stroke, you know. If people have a physical stroke, they lose their right arm or their use of their left leg or whatever, and sometimes that comes back or it might come back or they get a limited use of that. And emotionally, when you lose a child, it, it's that emotion's gone. It never comes back. Um, you just, you have to learn to endure and move on and, and, and try and um, 
um, keep your family together, keep them moving. And my wife struggles. Um, my kids, my other two boys, they're, they're dealing with it in their own way. And I deal with it my way by, by just doing things like this. I mean, you get out into the woods, uh, you know, you climb a, climb a wall, or you go hike, uh, rappel, uh, any of those things. I mean, they're, they're, they're just great releases for me. And it's, very, it's like a spiritual experience coming up and doing these kind of things. And it helps a lot. So that kind of really, really helps me move along, you know. And, and, and I would always tell anybody that's in the same situation as me, is if you ever, you ever unfortunately lose a child the way I did, my whole approach was to keep moving forward, never stop. I mean, the, the day that I found my son, uh, the very next day, uh, I was at the gym. And um, I continued on with all of my uh, routines because I knew that if I stopped, uh, the, it, it, things that the other you know, bad feelings and you know, would, would, would creep in. And it's important to keep moving forward, to keep going. And, and um, you know, you can um, sit there and, and, um, and grieve. People grieve in different ways. Um, I certainly do. And I have my moments where a lot of times they're in the car, they're at the gym. Um, you know, I, I get to, I like talking to them uh, about him to, to people. And sometimes that's an awkward situation for them. But I, I, I always tell them, please tell me, tell me everything you know. And, and I'm, I'm, I like to find out things about him and how he touched people. He touched a lot of people. And I think, uh, I don't know if I told you that when we had his wake, there was over 500 people there and so many people that uh, that just came up and, and talked to me about him told me stories about him I didn't know uh, just really helpful things and how thoughtful he was and what a great human being he was he's a great kid um, unfortunately he was taken at 27 years old and um, the way he le- the way he went was um, an overdose and that is not what defines him as a as a human being. He's he was uh, his downfall was mental illness. He had OCD, he had uh, anxiety disorder, and, and he also had uh, chronic depression. And it, and, and and those things combined um, is what took him. He masks things sometimes, you know, with alcohol or drugs occasionally. But it wasn't about who he was. He wasn't always drinking or always getting high or any of that stuff. It's just, I think, when it got to the point where he was, um, it, it was too much, he just masked it with whatever he could find. And unfortunately, um, this time was uh, lethal. And so, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing to lose a, lose a child. Nothing worse in the world. Nothing. I'm not capable of imagining, to be honest with you. Um, I have seen my best friends parents go through something similar and it's they're like you they 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 keep on in a way that's that's hard to really even understand how 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 positive and uplifting they manage to be in the face of such a such a situation and it it's certainly something to look up to with regards to imagining having to handle something so challenging ford's mother told me how she couldn't bear to imagine what it would be like for Ford to be forgotten. Yeah. You know, as time passes, surely you'll never forget someone, but there's the fear of forgetting 
you know, their precise image or, or the sound of their voice and so on and so forth. And I, I think that coming out and doing this sort of thing and living as optimally as you can for them is sometimes it's the only assurance. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, in in that's why I was so inspired by the video that you did for your friend and um, the we talked about that in in how he'll never be forgotten but the image and and like you said the sound of his voice those things in time will fade and and that that's what terrifies me that terrifies me that I, I won't remember those uh, you know conversations well I'll remember them but they fade and like like a you know pictures over years they fade memories fade and, and, and that's what that's what I'm afraid of I'm, I'm afraid of losing an image right now uh, it only happened in February so um, his image is still very strong in in my mind and the the, the, the times we talked and the, in the, in the things that we did um, is still very clear but um, if that ever begins to fade that's what terrifies me the, the two images, unfortunately, the, the day he was born, um, you know, the doctor just dropped him right in my hands, and, and you know, I raced over to the table and um, put him down, and you know, I didn't know how to handle a kid. I was a little baby. What am I supposed to do with this guy? And so, to this day, I mean, the, the images of, of him being born are so uh, clear. It's like I'm watching it on a video right now. And then uh, the other issue that I got to deal with is that I was the one who found him dead and that's another image that will never leave uh, it'll always be clearly ingrained in my mind unfortunately but um, you know that's that's something I have to deal with um, and I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can to deal with things um, you know I, I don't I don't revert to alcohol or you know feel sorry for myself or you know I'm, I'm grieving in a way where I'm trying to be healthy about doing it, and and the things that that he would uh, be proud of, and um, you know, and I, and I know that him as when he was growing up, I mean, he was uh, he was a health fanatic. He was a gym rat. He was always in the gym. If you uh, ever saw him or got a picture of him, a saw a picture of him, the kid was he was built like um, you know a bodybuilder. I mean, he was just phenomenal shape. He was a great uh, great athlete. Yeah, he had a, he had a lot of he was a good looking kid. Everybody liked him, um, you know. And and uh, but he was always pretty healthy, physically, mentally, no. And um, mentally, he was. It all be you know started like when he was twelve, and fifteen years he suffered with with all of the the different um, uh, illnesses that he had mentally, and and he knew. And we, my wife and I, we ran a gamut with uh, doctors and hospitals and, I mean, I, we got seven pages. We get a volume of, of uh, medical records and stuff like that from, you know, the, the, all the different things that Michael struggled with and the medications. And that's another whole other story, too, is I don't believe in that. I don't believe in, in uh, you know, the way they medicated him and, and uh, tried him with all these uh, different, uh, different drugs for, you know, just different disorders. And it just seemed to... If it, 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 didn't, it didn't help him anyway, so I guess it does help some people, but it didn't seem to help him. What advice would you give or even thoughts to share with parents that are struggling with something similar with their kid? You, you have to find a way to, everybody has their ways of grieving, and, and um, 
either they um, you know find comfort in, in in you get closer with other members of the family to try and get through it um, some people they seek um, help through you know seeing doctors psychiatrists whatever um, and again I mean for me it's just it's about um, doing something that's physical because mentally it helps you um, in in, uh, in in trying to grieve I mean there's something very special about being out in the woods um, for me it, it works fantastic I'm trying to get my wife to, to at least come out and do some hikes with me and, and eventually I'll get her out there but um, you know she she's having a really hard time um, and is a, a there's a special bond obviously between a mother and her son um, and um, she's really struggling with that um, but I mean um, just circle around your family and, and and look for help through them and and just stay in that routine if you're in a routine stay in it don't stop and and that's what kept me going too is I never stopped going to the gym I went to work I did everything I just kept everything going so that when I had my um, private moments then I would I would maybe struggle a little bit but um, I think that's the best that people can do is if once you you, you stop and you and you let that all creep in it just doesn't it, it's not healthy so just um, keep moving forward I always appreciated the analogy that was told to me grief is like waves you know when something first happens they're just constant and they don't stop it seems like the boat was just permanently swamped and then as time passes they, they come less and less but with a significantly more intensity when they do yeah I think those are the moments like you said they, they catch you at the most random times it's when you least expect it but yeah they really do I mean I, I at, at first I was so in, engaged in, in in trying to keep busy that it didn't it, it didn't it didn't register right away and and I've noticed over the last couple of months when it seems to you know to, to keep uh, creeping up and you know I go down and I I visit his grave three times a week, three, four times a week. I get out and talk with him for a minute and, and, uh, and, and try and, uh, you know, hope from, you know, some sign for him that he's okay. Um, you know, that's, that's what I, I hope for at some point in time. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it does come in waves. And um, it's funny. I feel like I have so much to say. I wish I could say to Ford when I get I get to the gravesite when I go there and I just kind of sit there and yeah. stammer for a minute like an idiot, don't know what to say, and I just kind of stand there. It's, it's okay. It's the fact that you just get there, you know that's important. And you know I, I I've uh, uh, I'll I'll never stop going down and visiting him, you know and and uh, you know people I don't know if over time I suppose maybe uh, I don't think it's it's never going to get easier ever get easier. It'll be just a matter of, you know, uh, dealing with it in the way that I can. Um, it, it's just uh, something that's never going to go away. And, you know, people always say, you know, you're looking for closure. There's no closure in losing a child. None. Zero. It's just dealing with it. And, and uh, that's all. Um, but there's never, it's never going to go away. I mean, you lose parents. You lose, you know, the siblings or... And, and that's that's bad. That's that's very difficult. But there's nothing that can compare to losing a child. It's just it's just awful, terrible. Well, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting Mike, 
but I can tell you this, that the way you came out here today and memorialized him was pretty fucking badass, and without having ever met him, I know for a fact that he's damn proud, and that plaque that you brought up here for him is a pretty awesome way to kind of have a part of him in this place at all times. Yeah. It's important for me to have him here, and, and uh, it was great. I, I, I appreciate you guys getting me up this wall. You got yourself <laughs> up the wall, man. We just tied some knots. That's yeah. that's it. Yeah, that was great. Thank you well guys done, so brother. much. Sorry, thank you. Thanks to Vic, and thanks to Gwen. Yeah, let's get the hell off this thing, shall we?